0: Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about something that is super common in midlife, staying small. More specifically, we're gonna be talking about why this happens. What I mean is why you might choose to stay small and if you're making that decision consciously. Also, what baby steps you can take to stop playing small so that you step into your gifts and your zone of genius finally, because it's your time to shine. Now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, then I know that you really are excited to do something about loving your life again, and that makes me happy. Before we dive into this particularly squirm-worthy episode, I wanted to just take a second and welcome you back to the podcast. I'm really grateful that you found us here, and this really is your tribe. If this is your first episode, I'm so glad you found us. And as I always say, women in the middle like you, we need to know each other. We need to know that we're not alone and that we're here for each other. We really are. (laughs) And I'm here for you. So let's get going. We are talking about staying small. And not the same way Steve Martin talked about getting small back in the 70s, you may recall. Oh my god! I used to listen to those albums, those comedy albums. Ugh, just so much fun in my bedroom listening to comedy albums. Cheech and Chong, Steve Martin. Oh my god! Let me know if you guys remember that. Getting small album is so funny. All right, now and look it up on YouTube if you don't remember it. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about though. Some of you know that I'm quite comfortable staying small because I am small. I'm only four ten, and who knows. With shrinkage at this age, I might not even be 410. I might be a little smaller, but I'm proud of it. And that's also not what we're talking about today when it comes to staying small. I am referring to making conscious decisions to stay small, to not change, to not grow, to not try, to not risk. Really, what this often means is to act out of fear or not act, that is, to make decisions that keep you where you are, status quo. Basically, to play small. That's probably a better way to look at it, to play small. That's what I'm talking about. So let me explain a little bit more. The example of this that pops into my mind right away is to simply not ask questions of others or of yourself. So here's what I mean. Imagine yourself in a group working on a project. It could be work or volunteer. The idea is that you're in a group. You're part of it. You're listening. You're engaged, but all at a superficial level. You're not diving in deep. You're not asking the questions that pop into your mind. Now notice what I said. You have the questions, but you don't ask them. And that is a choice. Another thing you might relate to is not volunteering or stepping up to lead. Maybe at work, maybe on a committee, maybe on a team, maybe with some unpaid volunteer work, whatever it is, you hover on the surface, watching, thinking, and not leading. Again, at work or in other parts of your life, you might even have an amazing idea because you're amazing, of course. And as women in the middle, You've been around for a while. You know what's up. You're older and wiser and full of ideas and better ways to do things. But when you're playing small, you hesitate. You don't put it out there. You're not connecting with yourself and your chance to grow a bit. You sit on it. You ruminate. You let the ideas spin around in there. But you don't take a deep breath and put it out there. What do these examples have in common? A thought that stops you, a thought that creates a feeling, a feeling that drives an action or an inaction, and the result? You stay small. So the question is why? We ask that a lot in the podcast. (laughs) Why? What is the thought that pops in at moments like these? Typically, it's something that creates fear or resistance. Now, of course, sometimes you're just too busy uh, with way too many things on your plate, and we've taken a look at the concept of feeling too busy in another episode, but sometimes it's something else. Can you relate to what I'm saying? For many of us, it's fear of being rejected or fear of failing. Big topics, but not that complicated. Now, why is this? Well, your brain has something to do with it. Your brain thinks so many things are scary. New things, for sure. They're very scary. (laughs) And putting yourself out there can be one of those scary things. Evolving and growing can really shine a flashlight on some of those scary emotions. But allowing the fear can be so courageous. Such a growth opportunity. Can you imagine allowing fear and doing the scary thing anyway? even though it's scary. Now, you may not have put yourself in that kind of a situation in decades. Like the thing that pops into my mind, actually it popped in just now, was dance recital. Do you remember a dance recital when you were a kid? You would be really nervous, but you would do it anyway. Or having a solo in a concert, that happened to me. And you would do it anyway. And I find that as we get older, we don't allow ourselves to feel the fear and do it anyway. We bail in advance so we don't have to deal with it, right? So let me ask you again, can you imagine allowing the fear and doing the scary thing anyway? I love this idea. Fear is just a feeling, right? Think about it. Can you imagine just being okay with fear being there? Now, I'm not suggesting that you do a happy dance or anything, but just don't resist it. You can do the scary thing even though you feel fear. It's an option, right? The other thing that's interesting to do is to ask yourself more questions about what you're afraid of. Why are you thinking those thoughts that are creating that emotion? If it's the unknown, what about it is scary? If it's fear of failure, so what if you fail? What are you making failing mean? If it's fear of rejection, Go a little bit deeper. Why do you think that? What would the worst case scenario actually look like? Is it the same as what you imagine it to be? When we spin, these nebulous thoughts and feelings just get bigger and bigger, but not necessarily based on any more reality. We're so good at introducing a touch of drama into our lives, and all of that drama really slows us down and distracts us. It's a bit weird. Fear is often about the unknown, and the solution is to have some courage. But that means growing, and growing means moving in to the unknown. The only difference is how you handle your emotions, really. You can resist, or you can ignore, but then look at your outcome. Nothing changes, and you stay small. Or you can allow your fear and do it anyway. And then, my friends, you never know what might happen. But you won't be the same. And it won't be the same. Your contribution will have an effect. Technically, it's not really growing if you already know how you're evolving, right? You got to go where you don't know where you're going to go. A little bit, anyway. (laughs) One of the best strategies for allowing fear is a simple one. You've heard me talk about it before in the podcast. It's simply to be curious with yourself to be fascinated. And that's what Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School talks about all the time. Think about what happens when you're fascinated and curious with yourself. It diffuses it immediately. And curiosity and fascination are way more compassionate than you usually are with yourself. Now, I know I'm in your head (laughs) because I know that you are not nice to yourself sometimes. You're probably even really mean to yourself more than you would like to admit. But the thing is that most of us are pretty much oblivious. We got our heads in the sand. We're unconscious. We're just walking around being at the effect of our thoughts and feelings rather than watching them and seeing them as optional. Fear is optional when it comes to growth. It's caused by a thought. It's just an emotion caused by a thought. So, my amazing women in the middle, I would encourage you to put on your big girl panties, which I hope are nicer now, now that we've had that episode about replacing those uh, ones that are shot. <laughs> put those big girl panties on more often and ask yourself, why are you feeling fear? I would put money on the fact that you probably think that feeling fearful in this type of a situation is actually a fact. Or just the way it is because you have practiced being fearful when it comes to doing anything new for decades. It just feels like truth, like the way it is. That's why you're so good at it. Not because you're weak, not because you're a scaredy cat, not because you're not capable, but because you've practiced it. Now, your brain is right there with you because your brain wants to keep you safe. The unknown is scary. And back when we lived in caves, you could get eaten and die if you weren't careful about how you proceeded with scary things and new things. It's quite human to feel fear like this, but the difference is to be compassionate about it and not surprised. The whole experience feels so much different. Building your courage muscle is a beautiful thing. It goes hand in hand with confidence, really, and you can make this happen when you stay present with your fear instead of hiding from it again, hiding from it is resistance. And you know what happens. You stay small. You play small. Staying present with it, even though it's uncomfortable, means becoming more confident and evolving. Stepping into a new you, someone who is willing to go there, even if you know it's a little unfamiliar, it's a little scary. That's what evolving is. So these are the baby steps you need to take. Ask yourself the questions. Take on the responsibilities. Share your ideas. Be curious about what will happen, what might happen. Be curious about what you will make it mean if that happens. And allow yourself to entertain what actually might happen that just could blow your mind. Imagine the good things that could happen, not just the things that are scary like failure or rejection. This really is regret-proofing, right? It's such a good example of regret-proofing. Now, I remember one time I played with fear like this. It was in my last job, but very early on in my 19 years there, like the early 90s. I was creating some drug education materials, and I was leaning toward making comic books as a way to reach young people. I started investigating the process, talking to some illustrators, talking to to some content experts. And then at some point, a thought popped into my mind that maybe I could be making a children's book instead of a comic book. Uh, Maybe that would actually be better. Now, this had never been done at my large hospital. No children's books, no fiction, actually. It was a research based institution and nothing like that was ever done. Um, In fact, that uh, change that slight change would also have meant a different target audience because a comic book is targeted at readers like older than people, um, than who would be interested in a children's book, uh, younger kids, and they may or may not be reading it themselves. They might have it read to them. So what was I going to do with this idea? I got really excited about it, and the more I thought about it, and the more I researched, I thought it was a better approach. I continued mulling it around. I continued investigating options and looking at what it would cost, and I realized that I could totally manage it with the right support. There was that moment that we've been talking about here in the podcast. I had the idea, it popped in, but I was afraid of rejection and failure, like I was really mulling it around. I thought it was a good idea, but would my manager think it was a stupid idea? Could I really pull it off? It had never been done before. It was something new. Would the quality be high enough? Would it be like a a good enough publication to represent the work of uh, my institution? There was this critical moment for me professionally. I decided to lean into the fear and do it anyway. I approached my manager with my proposal. And you know what? He said yes. And then I was really scared. (laughs) But I kept going, and that book led to two more children's books, and they got national media attention and everything. I never regretted taking that risk to evolve and to push myself and grow, but wow, it was really scary, and it did give me pause. One more example comes to mind. You're listening to episode 47 of the Women in the Middle podcast, and I can't even believe it. I started the podcast on July 27th, almost a year ago. As of right now, there have been about 35,000 downloads, and this just blows my mind. So I started thinking, I want to do something special for my one-year anniversary episode. And I asked myself, what could I talk about that really reflected the importance of the milestone to me and also shared something really valuable for you, women in the middle? And then I came up with something great it had an aspect to it that was a little scary. So I took a couple of weeks to think about it and mull it over. I watched my brain come up with all kinds of reasons that it wouldn't work and why it was a bit much. (laughs) But I could also see what was happening. I started watching myself. Like I always talk about, you can become a watcher of your thoughts. You don't have to be your thoughts. My brain was trying to keep me small. My brain was trying to keep me safe because moving forward, On this cool new idea meant doing something different and inviting guests. All new stuff. How perfect though, right? My personal experience is exactly what we're talking about right now. So I did it. I pitched my new idea to a very special guest. A guest that could really put an amazing spin on the topic I came up with. And then I realized that my idea would work really well as a mini-series. So I pitched the idea to a few more amazing people. And... Wow, everybody loved it. So I'm happy to say that I recorded that special anniversary episode this week, and I am so excited. I'm so excited to share it with you in the summer in celebration of my one year anniversary with the podcast. And then I just can't wait to kick off that mini series. So I'm just so excited to share all of this with you, all of this cool information. That's what I'm talking about. Staying small doesn't serve anyone. You're not helping others the way you know you can, and you're not serving yourself because you're embracing the status quo. Evolving does take courage, and I got the memo that you're ready to flex those muscles a little bit. That's what older and wiser can mean if you want it to. That's it for this episode. What we're really doing on Women in the Middle podcast is helping amazing women like you get excited about their lives again. As you know, this whole aging thing can be a lot to get your head around. If you haven't done so yet, head over to www.suzyrosenstein.com forward slash midlife funk to grab your copy of my free ebook, 10 Surprisingly Simple Ways to Bust Out of Your Midlife Funk. I also want to remind you that if you like what you've heard, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. This is such a great way to help other women know that there's such good stuff going on in here in this podcast. Also, check out the show notes with more information and links at susyrosenstein.com. Let's do this, ladies, one scary growth opportunity at a time. Thanks so much for listening.